In Romans 13, Paul is telling the church of Rome that it is time for them to wake up. He says, and I quote, the hour has come to be awakened out of sleep. Such an hour comes to every generation when it is time for us to wake up. When you study history, there have been greater awakenings at certain times throughout history. You will find a spiritual awakening amongst a spiritually dead people in this country in the late 1700s and early 1800s. It was unstoppable. I mean, it just swept the nation. I've read stories of people that lived during times of these awakenings. There was one that very specifically has always stuck in my mind. A evangelist was preaching in a town and it was like anywhere that he went, revival would break out. And he was in a town, he'd been there for three or four months. Uh, several factors are always consistent about great awakenings. Uh, there's always a people that are praying regularly and fasting and seeking the Lord. And in this particular town, uh, there was this group of people that were praying regularly, holding church sometimes five, six times a week. And this sheriff officer, his, his uh, report, I've just never forgotten it, that was responsible for multiple different cities in the county that he was at. And this is, you know, 1700s, but was coming in on his horse. And there was a railroad tracks that really specifically was like one of the boundaries, official boundaries of the town. The sheriff was not a believer. He was not a Christian. He had heard the rumors of these revivals and wasn't real sure about them. He reported coming in town on his horse and coming across that railroad tracks and feeling a surge of power through his body that just about knocked him out. That surge that he felt piqued such an interest in him. He, he could not explain it with any other thing than possibly, possibly it's related to the rumors of what's happening in this town. And did the investigating himself and attended some church services and was gloriously saved and spent the rest of his life telling the testimony that I just told you. But here's what always was so remarkable to me about that testimony of that sheriff. The main factors that bring people to a place of an awakening, which I'm going to preach about this morning, none of those were evident there. There was no preaching. There was no message to bring the conviction of the Holy Spirit. He wasn't around the worship of God's people gathered together, worshiping God together. The guy was on his horse coming into town, in a town, in a city where revival was happening. And what always struck me, I just can't, I've never been able to get out of my mind and my heart, was that what God was doing in that place was so tangible that it was felt by people simply in proximity of the place. 
That's mind-blowing to me. I've prayed at times that people feel something similar coming into the parking lot. But what I, what I want to, I say all that to say this. I truly believe that it is time for our generation to be awakened to God. I believe there is a need for an awakening in the church. I find it interesting that in Romans 13, Paul is addressing the church. He's not addressing the lost who need to be awakened as well, but he's addressing the church. And so I have a lot that I want to cover this morning. I want to preach to the lost man. I want to preach to the lost woman. I want to talk about being spiritually asleep. But I also want to deal with the odd question of how did the church fall asleep in the first place? Why would the church ever need to be awakened? So, four points this morning that uh, I just kind of want to deal with when we talk about the hour has come to be awakened from our sleep. Number one, there is a great danger that threatens the unawakened. There is a great danger threatening the unawakened. Let me explain why. The sleeping are unconscious. When somebody is asleep, they are utterly unconscious. And unconscious is a big word. I'm going to deal with unaware in a moment. There are two different things. You can be conscious and still be unaware. You cannot be aware and be unconscious at the same time. But to be unconscious is to be totally oblivious to everything. It's like blackout. Now, all of you know, sleeping, you know, literally when we're asleep, truly asleep, deep sleep, we are completely and totally oblivious. It's like you eventually fall into that place of deep sleep, and when you wake up, you have no consciousness of what was happening in between. I find it highly interesting that spiritually, this is a term used to apply to us concerning our connection and our relationship with God, that it is possible to be totally and utterly unconscious of the spiritual world. I remember when I got saved when I was 20 years old, there was a lot of things that, that kind of, uh, obviously, it's like being awakened and seeing something for the first time, it's fascinating, it's life-changing, but for me, I was frustrated. I was frustrated that I spent 20 years of my life not knowing that God was real. Now, I had heard about God. I was not some idiot. I had heard about God. I, had, I knew people that believed God was real. I had heard, you know, I didn't know the stories of the Bible, but... 20 years growing up, you hear the concept of God. I had religious friends, but to me, it was never anything more than just kind of a crutch, kind of something people leaned upon to give them hope to keep on going through the hard times. It was something people said because it sounded humble when they scored a touchdown, you know, point up to Jesus. And for me, it was always just fake. And I didn't want to believe in something fake. But I'll never forget when I was actually awakened and I truly heard the voice of God and I came to know God, not know about God. 
I didn't make a decision to join a church. I didn't decide I was going to be baptized. I mean, blood-bought, born-again, radically transformed. God gave me a new nature, and all of a sudden, I was awakened to the reality of God. And there was a part of me that was like, how could I live for 20 years of my life in complete and utter unconsciousness of the reality of God? See, that's a dangerous place to be. There is a danger that threatens the unawakened. They are unconscious of everything. Not only are they unconscious, they are also unaware. There's no true concept of what's happening around them. This is one of the reasons especially the church needs awakened. I'm telling you, when the church is sleeping, our perspective, the things that come out of the pulpit, the things that Christians say, it is, it is repulsive. It is so off base. How about if I just say what I'm thinking? I'm not real sure if I should or not, but it's too late. It's too late. You know, I look at the state, that statement I made that when, when we're sleeping, we're just unaware of what's really going on. And the, and the messaging is just, it's, it's insanity. No place more than ever have I noticed that recently than on K-Love. Now listen to me, K-Love's always been the same from day one. They haven't changed. But K-Love would want us to believe that everything is good. Everything's going to be all right, folks. God is always happy. He's never angry. There's never sin that needs to be repented of. The church is in a good state. We're just going to play happy music. Nothing to be concerned about. Nothing to really get engaged about. Just hang on, folks. Everything's good. Everything's peaceful. No need to worry. No need to panic. No need to preach repentance. Everything is great, 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 great. God is good and happy and love, love, love. That message is garbage. And I promise you this, that's the only message you will ever hear coming out of the talking heads of any radio, Christian radio station right now. It's not just Caleb. Caleb, if you're out there listening, I don't mean to pick on you. <laughs> but here's what it is. I'm not trying to be mean-spirited, but I'm telling you, when we're asleep, we are unaware of the reality of the dangers we're facing. And so we don't speak to them. It's like we're just oblivious. It, there, there, it is a dangerous thing to be asleep, spiritually speaking. And ultimately, when we are sleeping, we are not only unconscious, we are not only unaware, listen to me now, we are unengaged. And for that reason... There has been from the beginning of time a constant strategy of our enemy to lull us into sleep. Just like Samson in the lap of Delilah. Because when we're asleep, we're unconscious, we're unaware, and we are unengaged. And there is nowhere Satan wants the church more than he wants them unengaged. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, we need an awakening. 
No matter what grave danger a person is facing, if they are asleep, they will be totally unprepared for what is about to happen. Second thing this morning I want us to consider, we fall into sleep in stages. You don't just fall asleep. In fact, if you do, there's a, I don't know what the term is, but there's, it's a, there's a medical condition for that. It's not normal. You don't just all of a sudden, deep sleep, REM, rapid eye movement, dream state. It takes time to fall into sleep. And I don't care who you are, the amount of time it takes might change, but the stages are always the same. One of the first things that has to happen is you've got to get comfortable. It's what you've got to do to fall asleep. You have got to get comfortable. Discomfort is one of the things that wakes us up. We'll look at that in a moment. But you've got to get comfortable. That's first. Before you start going in and out of consciousness, before you ever reach deep sleep, you've got to get comfortable. I am utterly convinced, brothers and sisters, that is one of the major issues facing the American church. We are as comfortable as we have ever been. I just talked with a brother that is doing a great work in Japan, church planting. And here's what he told me. I asked him, like, you know, you're so close to China. What's the difference? You know, do you have the same issues in Japan you do in China? The answer was absolutely not. Uh, they're two totally different places. Japan's very welcoming, though only about 1% have been evangelized. They're very welcoming. But here's what he said. He said, much like America, the problem we're facing is there's, everybody has everything they need. It's a very, very wealthy nation. Everybody's very educated. They make good money. He said, and then you cross the, the, you know, cross the ocean a little ways to China where people are being persecuted to the uttermost, and yet the church is growing by the millions. And it could be that our lack of persecution and the, 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 the overindulgence of comfort is you know, contrary to growth in the church. And I think that's one of the problems that we face in this country is why, we're, why we are so quick to sleep spiritually in the church is because we, we're not, only, not only are we comfortable, but we like to be comfortable. Now catch this, right? If, if getting comfortable is one of the things that leads us to spiritual sleep, what a mess we're in considering the fact that so much of the garbage that comes out of the American pulpit is meant to make people feel comfortable. It is designed to make people feel comfortable. It is designed to keep people from feeling convicted, from feeling like there's something that needs to change, from feeling a sense of urgency that the Lord is going to return and all that we know is going to be over with and there's only a limited amount of time for you to be saved. There's only a limited amount of time for your sons and your daughters and your family and your friends to be saved. You're not hearing that very much. Instead, we are being thrown comfort and comfort and comfort and comfort. And this is one of the first things that leads us to sleep. You know, the next stage of going to sleep is becoming less aware of what's happening around you. 
is what happens spiritually. You'll find that people that were once on fire for God, no longer on fire for God, there just becomes this kind of in and out of awareness of, of, of the reality of the need of the hour, what's happening around us. Eventually in stage two, you go not, you're not just less aware of what's around you, you go in and out of consciousness. It's like the last phase between deep sleep. In and out of consciousness. It's a scary place to be. It's a super scary place to be spiritually. When all of a sudden you're, you're like aware, you know, like I'm not right with God. God's dealing with my heart. I know I need to change and you do nothing about it. And before you know it, a few more days go by and you continue to be in the wrong places around the wrong people, around the wrong influences. And you're not even thinking. Totally, utterly unconscious of what God's trying to do in your life. And if you don't fight that off and wake up, the final stage is deep sleep. And when you're in deep sleep, you're out of it. You are absolutely, utterly out of it. All of us have experienced times and know people who when they are sleeping, there, there is absolutely nothing that can wake them up. It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter how loud it is. It and when you enter to that place spiritually, I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, a lot of our brothers and sisters have. A lot of the church has. We need an awakening. We fall into sleep into stages. And I also want to point out number three this morning. We're awakened in stages. There is a process to being woke up. And it's basically the reverse process of falling asleep. The first thing that happens is you start going in and out of consciousness. And if you don't get up at that time, it's some of us fall back asleep and sleep for a little bit longer. That's one of the first things that happens when you begin to be awakened spiritually is there's this sense of awareness that maybe, just maybe, God is trying to work inside my life. I remember when I was coming into that place, spiritually speaking, about being awakened. It was a process of months in my life. And the first thing that happened was I began to kind of go in and out of consciousness that maybe, just maybe, the spiritual realm is real. Maybe there are demons. Maybe there is Satan. Maybe there is angels. Maybe there is God. And I would experience certain times where it was as if I was being awakened to these truths. But then I would kind of go back to sleep because I didn't know if they, I didn't know. It was like in and out. And then we become more aware of what's happening around us. Often we become uncomfortable. You will find that's one of the things that wakes us up. Discomfort. And that final stage of truly being awakened is getting up and walking with some awareness about what's going on around you. Now, I want to talk about the things that wake us up. Interestingly, in most cases, they are senses. Smell. 
Taste better not be waking you up unless someone's putting some food in your mouth while you're trying to sleep. You might choke. But an aroma can awaken us. And then the other three senses are the most, 95% of the reason we wake up. Number one, discomfort or pain. Discomfort of some sort or pain will wake us up out of sleep. It'll bring us into that first stage of like in and out of consciousness to where we begin waking up. The Bible tells us that the Word of God, it is a two-edged sword. That it's sharper than a two-edged sword. That it divides the soul and the spirit Joints from marrow, it's, a, it's just an earthly term to help us explain how deep it cuts. And it says that it is a discerner of the thoughts and intentions of the hearts of men and women. That's what the Word of God does. The Word of God cuts the Bible tells us that one of the roles of the Holy Ghost is to convict us of sin. We see that one of the ways that God awakens us out of a spiritual stupor, a spiritual sleep, is through the inflicting of discomfort. You have to understand this is necessary. You want to be awakened spiritually? Then quit pushing away the conviction of the Holy Ghost in your life. Quit pushing away the direction of God's Word in your life. You have to embrace it. But brothers and sisters, I pray the Holy Ghost will just give us some discernment this morning. If we are ever going to play a role in awakening anybody else, it's not going to be by making them comfortable and giving them a great pillow to sleep on. It will be by bringing the discomfort of the conviction of the Holy Ghost and the pain of dealing with the reality that their life does not line up with the Word of God. And if you're not willing to do that, you will never waken anybody out of their sleep. This is one of the reasons we are seeing an absolute all-time low in the history of the American church, anyways, of true conversions. This is why. We're coming to sleeping people who are spiritually dead and putting extra blankets on them. Do you feel better now? We're coming to those who are God's trying to awaken up and we're singing them lullabies. Because we don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. We've tried to make the church so sinner friendly that it's nothing but a bunch of sinners dead in their sins who have not been awakened spiritually. Discomfort's one of the things that'll wake us up. One of the second senses that wake us up is hearing something. 
especially voices. And there is nothing that will wake up somebody out of their spiritual sleep like hearing the voice of God. I'm telling you something, church. We are a great church. I am proud of the Well Worship Center. But I will tell you this. We have strides to make. There are a lot of times that people come into this place and hear the voice of God. You hear it in the way we sing. You hear it in the music. You hear it in the preaching. You hear it in the voices of people as they are welcoming and loving and greeting. But I will tell you, it's just my observation. It's not every time. It's just not every time. I've watched it seem to be frequently since we started our 21 days of prayer and fasting. I've watched that. I've watched it. There's a difference in the atmosphere. There's a difference in the atmosphere here Wednesday night. There's a difference in the atmosphere here Sunday morning. Those of us that God is tasked with the responsibility of leading these people preaching to these people, singing and leading in worship these people to the worship of our perfect and holy God, those of us that God has called to this task from those that work from, from the infants to the senior citizens, everywhere in between, we have a responsibility to do everything within our power to create an atmosphere where people are hearing the voice of God. It's not just clever music. It's not just clever sermons. It's not just well-crafted three-point this or that. It's not just good crafts and lessons for the kids. It's not just tasty snacks. Brothers and sisters, those things will not awaken people out of their sleep. Hearing the voice of God will. And there needs to be an acknowledgement from all of us when God says, you're up, it's your time. That God, what they need to hear this morning, it's not my lips, it's yours. Somehow, some way, God, Take your divine, life-changing voice that awakens the dead out of their sleep. And God, somehow get that out of me this morning so that when people hear me, they hear you and they are awakened out of their dead sleep. And the number one thing that awakens us out of our sleep, I love it, light. More than the other two, light awakens us out of sleep. In fact, it's almost impossible to go to sleep, no matter how tired you are, in light. Light. No wonder, you know, the Bible says that, that men rejected Jesus because they loved the darkness more than the light. You know what light does, spiritually speaking? Why we resist it? It exposes darkness. Light exposes what we're trying to hide. Light reveals the truth of what's really there. And light is the number one thing that awakens us. The light 
of truth. The more we hear it, the more we see it, the more truth that is preached, the more truth that is received, the more light that we have, the more awakened we become to the things of God. I want to say it again. I want to note that often the church does none of these. We don't bring discomfort or pain. We don't bring the voice of God, and we certainly don't bring light because we don't really want to wake anybody up. You know one of the reasons we don't want to wake people up is because most people hate being woke up. Every one of us, we want to wake up on our own terms. Most of us here that are married will tell you that even the husband and wife have two different schedules upon which they wake up. It's not like we decide as a family, what time do we all wake up and how do we do it? That's not how it works, is it? Because we all like to wake up on our terms. And I'm going to tell you spiritually, it is no different. And when you've got a game plan on like when you think you want to wake up, when you're ready to be woke up, when you've decided you don't want to wake up, you want to be sleeping, it's offensive And so now, who wants to play the role of the guy that goes into the room and blows the horn every morning to wake people up and warn them danger's coming? Nobody wants to play that role. I can assure you this guy doesn't actually like playing that role, but it is certainly rewarding when somebody does wake up and real life transformation happens. It's all worth it. But you'll find there's people that hate it. I have, I have had people ask me this all the time, and the answer is yes, 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 and yes. Do people get up and walk out when you're preaching? Yes. I have had lots of people get up and walk out in anger and rage and say, I will never come back and hear that guy preach. But the ultimate reason is because they love the darkness more than the light. They hate the truth. And for those who hate the truth, truth sounds like hate speech. But what is the kind thing to do? I mean, what's kind? Let's talk about the people you love. If you know that they're about to die, if you know that that they're about to split hell wide open, if you know that, that sooner than later, if they don't wake up out of their sleep, A fire is going to take down the house and they're going to die in that fire. What's the kind thing to do? Say, well, I just, I don't want to offend them. She loves her sleep. Hey, that's the coward thing to do is to say, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say what needs to be said. We have a responsibility, brothers and sisters, to be waking people up. So here's what I want to say. These things that wake us up, discomfort and pain, hearing the truth, light. Here's what I want to say. Preachers, keep preaching. 
Singers keep singing. Teachers keep teaching. You laymen keep sharing that Jesus is king because it is our responsibility to blow the horn. It is our responsibility to awaken the church and hopefully in the process of doing so to awaken some that are lost, that they might be awakened to the truth and reality of God and turn from their sins, placing their faith in Jesus and be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because this is what God does. He transforms hearts, brothers and sisters. The church has dissolved into a sin management seminar where we are teaching sinners how to manage their sin. That's not the gospel. Yes, we always fight a flesh nature. I've preached on this recently. But God gives us power and transforms us to come out of our sins. To no longer live in them, but to repent of them. He transforms us. The Bible says, I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. So, so more frequently in the days of old. You would read stories of people very much like mine, my story. But you would hear it much more frequently in days of old of people who found Jesus and their lives were so radically changed that their family and their friends and their community would say, we don't even recognize that guy. We, what happened to that guy? Now we know who he was but we don't know who he is now. That, that is, he is so different after coming to know Jesus. And for those who didn't come out of such a crazy lifestyle that was easily noticeable, their lives are still so consistent with the gospel and with Christianity that they are clearly different than the rest of the world. This is what salvation is. I don't like using this term because it's a, it's a bad term. It's always the same. But this is what salvation was for ages. And now it's just dissolved into sin management. Like a few steps to drink a few less beers if you're an alcoholic. Like a few steps instead of throwing your wife through walls. Now we're going to use words. And then once we get there, we're going to make our words nicer. I had a pastor one time that had some people in this type of really fall into the categories I just said. Some of you guys were offended by what I just said, but trust me, this is what's happening in America. I had a pastor one time that had some open, unashamed, unrepentant, homosexuals working in leadership, members of the church, representing the church. So I sat down with them and I just wanted to know what's going on here. I'm trying to understand, you know, you guys are a Christian church. You claim you believe the Bible, you follow Jesus. And yet clearly this is not the lifestyle that Jesus has called us to. It lacks repentance. 
It, it is a complete denial of God's design for mankind, men and women. What's going on here? Here's, I want to tell you what he did for me. He drew a big bullseye on a piece of paper, much like a, uh, a dartboard. And he said, Joplin, right here in the middle, this is Jesus. This is the goal. And we're going to find that in the church, there's people all over this map. Some are further from Jesus, some are closer. For us, the question is, not where are they at on the map, but what direction are they heading? And these people that you're talking about, they're like way out here. They're a long ways from Jesus. But from our perspective, they weren't even going to church before they started coming to ours. And so they were going the other way, and now they're headed this direction. He said, for us, that's repentance. As I stand here before you and before God, I'm going to tell you exactly what I told him. That is utter absurdity, Joe. That is nonsense. The Bible doesn't say to those who are headed towards Christ, but to those who are in him. That's what it says. Either you're in Oh, you're not. It's not about heading sort of in the right direction. That is garbage. That is sin management. At least you look a little better now than you did before. Good grief. You can go get that in an alcohol anonymous group. You could get that with a little bit of just courage and integrity and self-discipline to just stop some of the garbage that you're doing. That doesn't make you saved. That doesn't wash away your sins. That doesn't somehow mean God is going to wipe away all the crimes that you've had against him and your life of sin. There's only one way to be saved. That's through the blood of Jesus Christ. And you, you need your sins to be washed and cleansed through Christ and through Christ alone. And that requires repentance of your sins and faith in Jesus Christ. It's not about being somewhere on that map heading in a certain direction. No, 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 no. And this is this from one of the largest, most well-known Southern Baptist church plants in the last 10 years. I will say it again, brothers and sisters. We need an awakening. We need an awakening. For me to finish with that statement that this came from a Southern Baptist church plant 20 years ago, unthinkable. Unthinkable. Maybe the Methodist church. Seriously, 20 years ago, maybe the Methodist church. But not the conservative, Bible-believing the Bible as the inerrant, authoritative Word of God, Southern Baptist denomination. And yet here we are, because we have been lulled to sleep in the lap of Delilah. The time for an awakening is now. I'm going to ask our worship team if you guys would get in place. The hour has come for you. I want, I want you to hear that. I'm going to read it three times. The hour has come for you. The hour has come for you to awake from sleep. The time for an awakening is now. 
I will quote from Romans 13, the hour has come for you to awake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. You know what that means? Time is running out. Time is running out. It is a dangerous thing to stay awake, or excuse me, asleep spiritually. Brothers and sisters, a warning to those of us that call ourselves by the names of Christ. To stay awakened and alert, we must constantly be exposed to the light, hearing God's voice, and paying attention to the discomfort of the conviction of the Holy Ghost in our life. You want to stay awake spiritually, those are things you've got to have in your life. And you've got to welcome them. And to awaken others, we have no option but to expose them to the light, to the voice of God, and to the convicting power of the Holy Ghost.